Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, September the 5th, 2018. 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for this hump day. And uh, we had great news yesterday, Cindy. We hit a new high in number of downloads, number of listens to our podcast in one day. We cleared the thousand play mark in one day for the first time ever. And we soared past it. At one point during the day, we were up to 1,302 on a 24-hour period from like 3 p.m. to 3 p.m. And the final tally for the day for like 12 uh, midnight to 12 midnight was, I think, 1,250 or something like that. The previous record was 900, so we absolutely shattered it. Wow, that's amazing. You must really be uh, becoming more and more aligned with with what we're doing, I guess. I think we are. Yeah. Yay. In fact, it's congratulations. A, well, thank you. Well, thank congratulations to all of us. Yeah, because yeah, this is everybody. Congratulating us. <laughs> yeah. And and That's I can awesome. tell you it's actually inspired me because um I mean, we've been working for quite some time to keep building ourselves up, getting our audience right. larger and so forth, and we're succeeding and it's happening. Um but now having broken that particular record, something about it made me want to really go to town. So I've been really doing some research about different ways to promote the podcast and get ourselves out there to a larger audience so that more and more people find us. And I've actually found a couple of really cool ways to do it. Plus one way found us. I mean, you know about this one. Uh, one of our listeners, Esther, has volunteered to be our Instagram person, which is just amazing. I, I, I never expected in my wildest dreams that one of our listeners would volunteer to help promote all of our shows on Instagram. But she did. So Esther, thank you so much for, for signing up, for volunteering to do that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that's amazing and generous. And thank you so much for sharing your creativity with us and being willing to give us such a beautiful gift. I mean, Mm. that's really, really sweet and wonderful. Um, You know, it's funny when you were saying this is just way beyond anything I could have imagined or expected. I thought to myself, well, we talk about this all the time. I was talking about this yesterday with somebody that they had brought up, you know, the idea of this it's equivalent or whatever would be better. Um, They were reminding themselves of that. And I said, exactly. Here's the thing is when we limit ourselves to saying, I really want this to happen and here's how it needs to happen, you know, and we have it all laid out in our mind, the exact plan of however we want something to happen, that we're just limiting ourselves because we're not holding open a perspective that who knows how it's going to happen. It could happen in, bazillion different ways but when we open our perspective to say i don't know how this is going to happen it's all coming together and we keep moving forward and doing the things we're inspired to do then the universe just starts supporting us in ways we could never imagine mm-hmm. like this that's true and you know the the interesting thing we talked about in our conversation was that it's always it always connects us with other people yeah right and you and i talked about that yesterday i think we said you know I don't know how I'm going to find it was my thought that I had, you know, 10 years or so ago. I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to find my soulmate, but I have to be honest with myself and know it's probably not going to be while I'm just sitting alone in my house. Watching <laughs> right, TV. right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, you're going to have to get out and meet people and and connect with people. And so it generally that's how the universe works through other people. We're mm. all we're all one. We're all connected. We're all in this together. 
Isn't that so a great thing? That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so exciting. It is yeah. exciting. It's so much fun. I mean, I love it whenever we hit new highs. I can remember about a year ago, a new high was reaching a thousand listeners for a month. That was a year ago. <laughs> now it's a thousand listeners plus in a day. Like, oh, wow, this is so good. <laughs> well, I remember the first maybe month that I was doing the podcast with you. Um, and a couple of times, you emailed me with a number. Right. And it was like, then you emailed me with a much bigger number. You were like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and then a few weeks went by and there was a, a bigger number. It was like, wow, this is this is really cool. <laughs> it is. It's fun. <laughs> the numbers were much smaller than that number. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. But but nevertheless, yeah. they, they just kept and keep building. And that it's just so much fun to watch that. It really is. I mean, I haven't even mentioned it. I didn't even tell you guys. A few days ago, we passed 75,000 plays since November 2016. I just, it, it, it was like, oh my God, we hit another one, but I don't have time because I got so many cool things happening here. I got to deal with that one later. <laughs> well, so we often talk about our audience and how we, when we think of our audience, which is often we hold them in a place of success. Mm, yes. And especially... Law of attraction success. I mean, excess with success with using the tools that we talk about. Success in life. Um, feeling better. Feeling better and better and better. Feeling great. Yep. And accomplishing the things they want to accomplish. Whatever they, whatever each individual sees as success. Exactly. That's my view of success for them. And to see that the audience is growing that's just more people to hold in that space of connection and success. And I don't know, to me, it's really exciting. I'm trying to figure out how many people we can hold in that space. I mean, maybe it's, we have to keep it's infinite number, right? Oh, good. Because otherwise it's going to get crowded in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, seriously. The way I look at it is if we're really all connected then, and I believe we are, and we're all in this together, that the more success each one of us experiences the more happiness, the more love, the more forgiveness, the more positive energy, good vibes. It affects everyone. It does. It affects every one of us for each individual. And so the more success and happiness and, you know, all good things, all good blessings that are experienced by anyone in the world, well, you know how it is. Look, you're happy right now about these numbers. And I mean, I'm happy too. And I can hear it in your voice when you talk about it. Mm -hmm. You're excited. You said you're inspired. Um, it's, it's affecting me. And so it's affecting listeners and other people. And I'm sure it's affecting your wife and the cats. <laughs> the cats, yes. <laughs> right? Just the energy. And so why not want it to grow and grow and grow? We just like want to make the world a better place. And this is one way to do it. Well, absolutely. In fact, as you're describing that, I'm realizing that there is a, a tendency that people everywhere have, which is to uh, to do what Joel calls awfulizing. In other words, take something and then turn it into something even worse in your mind, even though it isn't actually there yet. And, and then just keep making it worse and worse until you finally constructed this horror show in your mind. And, and we do that. We all are very capable of doing that. But by the same token, that same energy building thing works in the positive direction. We, we tend to forget that part. And that's yeah. what you're describing. You're describing how we can build energy in a positive way and everybody gets infected by it. And like, yeah. wow. 
I had a oh. client that called that catastrophizing one time. Catastrophizing, yeah, that would work. <laughs> she yep. wasn't talking about herself, I think. She was talking about someone that in her life that she said, it doesn't matter whatever I bring up, they're going to start catastrophizing it. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, you know, just talking about it and making it worse and worse right, and blowing yeah. it up into some huge, terrible thing. And I was like, that word is great, but I don't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I am proud to say I am a, I am a skilled awfulizer and catastrophizer, but I am also, what, what's the 12-step term? I am in recovery. So <laughs> I am okay. a recovering catastrophizer. Right. You're in remission. In so, remission, right. So we need a word that that's in the other direction, like wonderizing or, you or, know. Some, joyfulizer. Some joyfulizer. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, you're so right about that. It's like... It's funny. Um, I heard this story last night. It was. It said something about. Time, we're talking about time travel because we're big time travel buffs over here. Like uh, we read time travel books and watch movies about time travel, and uh, it's just one of our topics we love. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that people always think that they don't want to go back in time because they they're worried if they change one little thing. It's going to have a catastrophic effect. It'll or, destroy you know, the space-time continuum. <laughs> right. If they change one little thing in the past, that it's that it's going to just change everything and something horrible could happen. Or exactly. Something, you know, who knows, right? But if it has that much power to do one little thing, why do we never recognize that here in the present, one little thing we change can affect the future? Yeah. Or more precisely, why not go back in the past and, and change one little thing for the better? Right. But it's that fear of like, well, in other words, we assign a great deal of power to every little thing that's in the past. But yeah. <laughs> right? But we have to recognize that we have a great deal of power right here in the present we to do. affect the future we with do. every little thing. And why not make them really great every little things <laughs> instead of, right? And the best part is that the, the power uh, basically regenerates every moment. So... We spent some energy just, you know, building stuff up the last moment. And guess what? We've got the same amount or even more for this moment. And it continues endlessly as much as we want to use it. The only thing that's holding us back is how much are we going to use it? Yeah. The only thing holding us back is usually just us. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. we limit ourselves, But we're not limited. And we can recognize that every little bit, every little bit helps and adds to that energy. So every little bit of joy, every little bit of celebration, every little bit, we've talked about this before. It's a, it's a big jump to go from the bottom of that energy scale up to the, the top. It is. So it's, it's little moves, feeling a little bit better. Right. And then do it again. Right. <laughs> and again. Yeah. Or, or in the modern verbiage, wash, rinse, and repeat. Just Keep on moving forward. There it is. Just over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And one of the best ways to do that is to listen to LOA Today. So keep listening. By the way, today is a lovely day in the neighborhood. And I say that advisedly. <laughs> there well, are I was actually just going to ask you about um, your weather. And, you know, we we have a, a storm system happening here. But yes, it's not affecting us. Good. Um, it looks like it's going to just skirt us and i hope that it doesn't affect anyone in a terrible way it's not a hurricane it's just a tropical tropical storm, storm so. yeah right yeah so it was really funny i thought it was a hurricane i hadn't been paying much attention i had a really busy day yesterday so but i hadn't really been hearing anything about it and finally last night i saw 
someone posts something on Facebook about um, making sure, you know, doing some things ahead of time in case they were to lose power. And I thought, oh, yeah, I haven't even been thinking about this. And then so I was I started asking, why are we worried about this? Like, why aren't we talking about this? We haven't <laughs> done like the shopping and all the things that you do before, you know, like, why is this not a big deal? So it's really not going to be a big deal. I don't even think we're going to get you rain. Seriously? Because how, I mean, we haven't been talking. See, I was kind of cat- catastrophizing, right? Like, sure. We haven't been talking about this at all. It was like, well, it's not bringing that much. And then it, then the word tropical storm came up. I said, wait, it's not a hurricane? <laughs> said, no, it's not a hurricane. I was like, because I said, well, what cat is it? It's not a cat. It's, <laughs> it's a tropical storm. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> so a Tweety Pie. It's not a cat. <laughs> I, so, you know, with a hurricane, there's a category. It's a cat one or a cat two or right. a cat three. And it, it wasn't categorized because it was still just a tropical storm. And, and I was like, oh. And I said, oh, no wonder no one's talking about this. And everyone at the table started laughing. <laughs> I was like, well, I just... <laughs> Oh god, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so actually, it really is a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> and and th- there are a lot of uh, millennials who will have no idea what that phrase refers to, but for the older generations, that's a very meaningful phrase because that was a phrase that was repeated here in the United States on television um, every single week by a man named Fred Rogers, who did Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, and th- a lot of kids grew up with that one. Uh, it's, again, millennials don't know necessarily who that is. You'll have to Google him or you, YouTube him or something like that to find out what it was all about. And by the standards of today's kids' TV shows, it'll look pretty antiquated. But at the time, Mr. Rogers was a very, very influential figure here in the United States. Well, you know, Mr. Rogers was on the air until 2003, I believe. Oh, was he that long? I didn't know that. No, let me see. Um, I have some notes. Yeah, 2001. 2001. Oh, good for him. I didn't realize he was on that long. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood began airing in 1968. Right. It ran for 895 episodes. Wow. The last set of new episodes was taped in December 2000 and began airing in August 2001. Yeah. So, you know, at, at the peak of Mr. Rogers' show, Fred Rogers, um, they said that 80... 80% 80% of American households turned tuned into the show. Wow. I mean, it was, you know, and the funny thing was, um, I mean, my kids are in their 30s. And we were talking about this. I had my son and one of his friends came over last night for dinner. And I asked him, I said, do you remember, like, did you ever watch Mr. Rogers when you were little? Because, I mean, he was born in eight, in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, not really. Not unless there was, like, nothing on, else on. <laughs> and I said, well, I think he would have been really little, right? Like, five or something? He goes, no, I didn't really ever see it until I was, like, a young teenager. Really? He, oh, wow. He said, if, if there wasn't, sometimes I would watch it. And so, you know, I said, oh. I said, well, did you see that there's a movie out about him right now? And... And I haven't seen it yet. But when I said that, he, I said, he said, oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. Doesn't it look really good? It Whoa. was so funny because it was like, he goes, it looks so touching. Um, I've heard that it's one of the best biopic documentaries ever really? made. No kidding. Yeah, and it's out right now. I mean, it's in the theaters right uh-huh. now. And I actually had kind of forgotten about it. Um, 
you know, we've been doing these, we've been doing a few podcasts on people that are wealthy because we, we had done a whole series of money and the law of attraction, the, right. the New York times bestseller. And at the end of that, we started talking about how still, you know, there's that story that we tell about rich people. Oh yeah. That, that <laughs> and, story. <laughs> and this, and that, and that story gets bigger and worse as oh, yes. we go up the scale from rich people to wealthy people to millionaires to billionaires. And it's oh, like, God, oh, no. all, those billi- all those horrible, evil billionaires. Terrible, terrible people. <laughs> yeah. And we recognized, you know, they're not terrible people. People are just people. Right. And there are wonderful people and there are, you know, people are complicated because we, we have people that we like to categorize as evil or bad mm-hmm. and people wonderful and sometimes it's the same person <laughs> right i mean depends on your perspective talking. right <laughs> yeah and so we we decided well we should start getting to know some wealthy people yeah. Yeah. because think about i mean this is the conversation that that you and i had off the air is like well i don't know i know some really super wealthy people and they're like great people yeah me too all the wealthy people i know are super nice right <laughs> so So, and they do so many good things for the community and for the world. So we need to get to know some of these people so that we change our story and we don't, because here's what happens when we have this story about wealthy people are awful. um, We put them over there in a group that doesn't include us because we don't want to be awful. So it's us and them. Right. And we start building this dynamic that holds us away from money yeah and since money is so necessary in our world it's not something we really want to be subconsciously holding ourselves away from not at all and so if we can get to know these people so we've we've had shows so far we've talked about uh jk rowling who Mm -hmm. brought the world harry potter right we've talked about oprah winfrey who's Mm -hmm. you know everyone knows oprah yeah so many wonderful things. We talked about Ralph Lauren and right. his life and, and all of the wonder that he's done in the world of fashion. And, mm-hmm. and then we were, we were thinking of who could we, who could we look at next? Who could we meet and get to know next? And I was going through this list yesterday and uh, I just, I couldn't see, I mean, a lot of the names were people I didn't know. And I wanted to find somebody uh, that would fit in with this crowd of really awesome people. <laughs> and, and, all of a sudden, Fred Rogers popped into my mind, and I was like, "Fred Rogers, hmm. Well, was he was he wealthy? Yeah. So I <laughs> I did a little Google search about net worth, at, and he was worth three million dollars at the time of his death. Oh, okay. So I thought, now this is the part of the story that's so funny. I I thought, okay, all right. We can talk about Mr. Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I forgot there's a movie about him right now. Um, apparently, I went and I looked at the trailer, and somebody had made a comment somewhere um, in a review that said that the movie about him is much more about what he believed and what he taught than it is about you know his shows the or the television show, yeah, whatever. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, we're still gonna. I'm just. I haven't watched it. I, w- I would have loved to watch it before this show, but. I'm going to watch it after. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, we'll just we'll just find out. So I sent Walt an email about this idea. And then I next on my list, I had to uh, connect with somebody on Instagram. And when I went to Instagram, I had a new follower on Instagram. It said, you have new followers. And the one at the very top, um, I won't I won't out their Instagram handle, but it was long and it had some numbers in it and also had the word Fred and the word wealth. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. 
That is <laughs> just said, great. Okay, universe. <laughs> yeah, this, I said, I'm going to take that as a yes. And then Walt wrote back and said, yeah, it sounds good to me. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Well, well, it is good. Partly because, like you said, we don't really expect Mr. Rogers to be wealthy. But he is. I mean, you know, or it's was. funny. There are certain names that when you say them, that's pretty much maybe all the hearer will think of is, oh, yeah, that, that person's really, really wealthy. And then there are other names that you may also think of wealth, but then you also think of the, the things you know them for, like like Joe Rowling and, right. and Oprah Winfrey. And then, but this name, I never connect Mr. Rogers with any kind of wealth or money. It's like all about him and his uh, wonderful way of connecting with children and people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. His, his uh, way of getting started is kind of interesting, too, because if I remember correctly, I'm not looking at a source right now that tells me, but if I remember correctly, he was a minister. And he, well, I mean, you, yeah. tell me, you tell me, but if I, my recollection is correct, he wanted to do the TV show because he wanted to introduce uh, what he felt was a more uh, loving and, and from his point of view, a more Christian approach to children's television that they weren't getting. Am I, am I reading that one wrong? That's that's my recollection. No, he um he actually he went to school. Uh, he was a, a musician, mm-hmm. and he started playing the piano and playing music at the really young age, I think five or something. And then he went to uh, Dartmouth, and then he went to he graduated from Rollins with um, a degree in in composition, music composition. Oh, really? Okay. And then he got married to his wife. And then, then he went to seminary. He did okay. And and the funny thing was, it said he wasn't interested in preaching, um, and so he. But he was displeased with the way that television addressed children. Okay. And so he wanted, and he thought that television was, you know, just amazing technology. Which I mean, it is. And sure. There was a story that he came back from college, and his parents had gotten a TV. Ah. Uh-huh. And he was like, it was a marvel. And he didn't think that it addressed children in a way that it could be using this technology. And so he, it's really what he wanted to do. You know, it's, it's so interesting. <laughs> um, he has a really interesting life. But yeah, so he, he, you're right. He was, he did go to seminary and he graduated with a master's of divinity. Um, but he, he didn't have any interest in, in being a preacher. Mm-hmm. But I thought, wow, I mean, and this is a guy that got a bachelor's degree um, in music and then got married and then went to seminary. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got quite an education. Well, I believe also he was a Presbyterian. And the only reason I know that is I was raised in a Presbyterian church. So that was like, you know, a famous person, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Well, he was definitely, uh, definitely famous looking at the kind of like awards, you know, he's he received the presidential medal of freedom um 40 honorary degrees wow wow a peabody award he was uh, inducted into the television hall of fame and he was recognized in two congressional resolutions mm, my goodness and we'll talk about that uh a little later but it that's a really a uh, cool thing in itself just you know i think about him and he was so mild mannered Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what comes to mind when I think about him. Gentle. Very gentle. Kind. Yes. Um, and yet he was 
he really made some big statements and he did them in in this the way he he was in the way he did everything you know i read something somewhere where he said uh, he didn't believe he didn't believe in being a different person while he was on tv like having a persona so that was he, the real him that's interesting because he said he, he did not believe person. you should be any different and and then he said and anyway children can spot a fake a mile away or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, no, it was him. He, that was just who he was. It's interesting too, because that persona that, that you would see on television was quite different from every other persona you saw. I mean, he was, he was soft-spoken. You, you described him as a very gentle, loving person. That was the way he spoke too. In fact, there were, there were comedians who kind of made fun of it, you know, his, his very light-hearted way of talking, which I can't reproduce, but <laughs> I haven't practiced my ventriloquism well enough. But um, <laughs> the fact is he, he had this ability to just say, isn't this a lovely day? And you believed him <laughs> because that's who he was. Everything about him was just, it didn't matter if it was raining outside, it still was a lovely day because Mr. Rogers said so. <laughs> right, yeah, no. And I mean, I... Here's the thing. He when did I say he start the show started? I think you said 68. Yeah. Well, that I was six and um, and I I loved this show. I, I mean, I have many fond memories of watching this show and I didn't watch a lot of TV. And in my entire life, like I'm not a big TV watcher. It's really funny when people start talking about some show or some characters and I'm kind of uh, like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> right. And I, sometimes I have said, you must be talking about a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always been like this with me. So I have, it's not that I just didn't watch, but I watched just a few things. And in the years that I was that young, uh, this was one of them. And so I think it came on TV at like, I want to think in my memory, like four in the afternoon or something or five. And so it was on at a time when my mother would be like preparing dinner or whatever. And so mm -hmm. I, w I would just be in there watching. Yep. And it was interesting because he was involved in the big copyright uh, congressional thing with Betamax. Oh, no kidding. Um, because, and his, his testimony was that, you know, and what that was about was about copyright and fair use and time shifting and all of that. So the the big thing was that it's it's copyright violation to tape things when, you know, when VH when VHS first was happening. And so the ruling was that it's it's not a copyright violation that we have this technology that enables us to be able to tape it and watch it later and that that was his thing was that people should be able to be in control um, of their own life <laughs> mm. and that many stations aired this at a time when a child couldn't see it and that their the children's programming and what they watch needs to be just as important as anyone else's. So he was advocating not only for, control of your own life across the board but also for children to be involved in their families watching and planning and i just it was great mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really neat well it, it also occurs to me i mean he was basically arguing on the side that said people should be allowed to record and play it later so that they have that control and yes exactly that, and, and it just strikes me he got his wish not necessarily through betamax and vcrs and so forth 
but through the internet. Because today, that's what the internet is all about. That's what a podcast is, for goodness sake. A podcast isn't something you happen to listen to live. You, I mean, you can listen to it live. We certainly hope people listen to it live. We like that. But the vast majority of people listen to the podcast recorded. That's his dream right there. Yeah, it is. And it was the, – the, I'm reading from um, from this part of the article that says that the – the court stated that his views were a notable piece of evidence that many television producers are willing to allow private time shifting to continue. Mm -hmm. And they quoted his testimony as a footnote. And this is what he said. He said, some public stations as well as commercial stations program the neighborhood at hours when some children cannot use it. I have always felt that with the advent of all this new technology that allows people to tape the neighborhood off the air, and I'm speaking for the neighborhood because that's what I produce, that they then become much more active in the programming of their family's television life. Very frankly, I'm opposed to people being programmed by by others. Mm. My whole approach in broadcasting has been freedom of speech. And you are an important person just the way you are. You can make healthy decisions. And maybe I'm going on too long, but I just feel that anything that allows a person to be more active in the control of his or her life in a healthy way is important. Well, then I got to ask you, because I mean, it certainly <laughs> resonates for me in this way. Do you believe that without necessarily knowing the phrase that Fred Rogers believed in the law of attraction? Yes. And what I thought was interesting was that, um, you know, the, the times that he was involved in congressional testimony. I mean, how many people really, you know, it's a very few people that are ever involved in testifying before Congress. Right. right? Oh yeah. That's pretty rare. (laughs) And I loved it. It says in 1969, Rogers appeared before the United States Senate subcommittee on communications. His goal was to support funding for PBS and the corporation for public broadcasting in response to proposed budget cuts in about six minutes of testimony. Rogers spoke of the need for social and emotional education that public television provided. He argued that alternative television programming like his neighborhood helped encourage children to become happy and productive citizens, sometimes opposing less positive messages in the media and in popular culture. And then he recited the lyrics to one of his songs. (laughs) The chairman of the subcommittee, John O. Pastor, was not familiar with Rogers' work. I mean, think about it, this is 1969, so the show's only been on for a, a, a year. Right. He was not familiar with Rogers' work and was sometimes described as impatient. However, he reported that the testimony had just given him goosebumps and declared, I think it's wonderful. It looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's great. <laughs> I thought that was so awesome. You know, just that he, and you know that he was not forceful. <laughs> And not at all obnoxious. He's soft spoken and quiet. And at the same time, his words are very powerful. And um, yes, I do believe that uh, he had to have known that how how that works. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, the law of attraction. Wow. Um, That's really he something. Thought, he thought some really simple things were really important. I mean, I say simple, but things like love and forgiveness and respect and listening was one of his, you know, really big things. And yet, you know, you were talking about comedians. And this, I think you'll find funny. Uh, He said, it says in the mid 1980s, 
the Burger King fast food chain lampooned Rogers' image with an actor called Mr. Rodney. Huh, imitating Rogers television character. Okay. Rogers found Rogers found the characters pitching fast food as confusing to children and called a press conference in which he stated that he did not endorse the company's use of his character or likeness. Rogers made no commercial endorsements during his career. Um, the chain publicly apologized for the faux pas and pulled the ads. Wow. But th- this is the part that cracked me up. By contrast, Fred Rogers found Eddie Murphy's parody of his show on Saturday Night Live, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, amusing and affectionate. Oh, wow. And he said it was on, it was on at a time when children weren't likely to see it. And wow. I thought if you've ever seen Eddie Murphy do Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, I mean, it's Eddie Murphy. So well, of course. Like, <laughs> and it's late night. It's uh, it's definitely miles away from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, literally, it's miles away from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And Mr. Rogers loved it and thought it was funny. So that's that kind great. Of, yeah. I, I can only imagine what Eddie Murphy's reaction must have been when he heard that Fred Rogers liked what he did. That must have just been, oh, wow. <laughs> right. I, I really love that he he started his work because he saw a need that wasn't being met. Mm. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and we've talked about it before, right? Is like the idea of with law of attraction, often the idea that it's just easier to look the other way and to put our head in the sand and not pay attention when we see needs that feel that don't feel good. They feel conflicting. We see things going on in the world that don't feel like they have a good vibe. And we're like, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to get out there and and get involved in all of that. That's bringing down my vibe. Mm-hmm. And we can look at him as such a great example of somebody that you know he didn't have to get into a bad vibe space to bring the good vibe message <laughs> that's right yeah he proves the fact that uh, well i can i call it a fact i'd say many people in in the world of theater might disagree but he proves what i think is a fact that is you don't have to have horrible contrast in order to have good entertainment now his entertainment was perhaps particularly light compared to what I had in mind, but nevertheless, it was successful. It was popular. It was, it did very, very well with his audience. So, you know, to me, that's proof that you don't have to go deep down into the darkest depths of human depravity in order to have an entertaining program. Well, I, I think it's really interesting too. Like there was one, I don't, and I don't know where I saw this. It might actually be part of the new, um, the new movie that's out and I haven't seen it. So it must, it might've been in a trailer. So it's not a really a spoiler. I mean, it is a documentary, but during a time where there was a lot of racial tension in the country and there were a lot of protests going on about letting African-American people swim in public pools. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, he would often in his little neighborhood, he would, he would have a knock on the door and he'd open the door and it would be, you know, the, I think the postman's name was Mr. McFeely. And that's funny because that's actually his part of his name. It's a family name. McFeely. Oh, really? <laughs> named, you know, his his character. But there was um, there was another character and he was African-American. He was one of the very first like African-American characters um, in this genre or I'm not sure. But but he when he opened the door for him, 
Mr. Rogers had a invited him into the little the place, the yard, whatever, the home, right. and there was one of those little swimming pools, yeah. like a little kiddie pool. Right. And he had, you know, Mr. Rogers had his had taken his shoes off and and rolled up his pant legs and put his feet in the water and was talking about how nice it was to cool off and have his feet in the water. And you know how he would talk, just so soft spoken. Isn't oh, yes. it nice to cool off this way with your feet in the water? Oh, here there's someone at the door. He opens the door. It's the African American um, character you know, who's in the neighborhood. And I can't remember what part he played if he was a, a fireman or a policeman or a postman or, you know, but just right. someone that, you know, when you're growing up and you're really little and you know, all these people, right. right? There's yeah. The mailman and the post, you know, the fireman. And he says, Oh, I'm just, he says, it's very warm out today. And I'm just here cooling my feet off in the pool. Would you like to come in and cool your feet <laughs> off in the pool? And, oh, and funny. the man says, I sure that would be great. And he comes in and he takes his shoes off and they show a screen, you know, they show a capture on the screen of, the African-American man's feet and Mr. Rogers feet in the pool together, cooling off. I mean, he was making a huge statement. He was. Yeah. And he was and doing he it in a it very, in the most <laughs> yeah, you said <laughs> you, he did. It was the gentlest, most kind and, and most loving way that that couldn't, you can't take offense to that. How do you take offense to that? Right. There's no way to do it without looking like and a I, total jerk. And <laughs> right. And by, and by just giving that ex- so such a simple example, right? It's so simple, and the scripting is so simple, and it's mm-hmm. just we're just sitting here with our feet in this water cooling off. He was teaching children everywhere that this was right and normal and fine and loving and kind and friendly. I mean, yep. it was like this is the way we should be. That's right. And so I that just gave me chills when I saw it because I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember that at all, but uh, I, I do remember the controversy, and, and I was only kind of, you know, tangentially aware of it. It's not something that was a part of my life in any way, but uh, I do remember that it was a big controversy, and, and to hear that description of what he did, wow, that's great. That is really great. Well, mm. I mean, we, and I'm definitely, you know, it's not something anyone would be proud of, but I mean, I know of a, of a place uh, here where there's a... A, a golf course and a pool and the pool has been filled in and there are signs and things that show like historically now oh this is where the pool used to be and it was a public pool yeah well it got filled in because it was let's just fill the pool in then we don't have to have this struggle over who's allowed uh-huh. to use it yes okay and so it was a very big you know uh part part of controversy in the country and Mm. i'm sure it was in the news and so knowing this about him kind of like wow okay and there were other things too where he was you know it's it's even i keep wanting to use the word outspoken and it's even hard to use the word outspoken he was more (laughs) inspoken soft-spoken yeah exactly (laughs) so something something that jumped out at me that we talk about a lot that i I read when I was going over information about Fred Rogers is was a quote from him. And it was this. He said, the thing I remember best about successful people I've met all through the years is their obvious delight in what they're doing. And it seems to have very little to do with worldly success. They just love what they're doing and they love it in front of others. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how often that theme pops up? I mean, we've talked about it with Oprah, with Ralph Lauren, 
with J.K. Rowling, I mean, every single one of them love what they were doing and what they are doing. And and that yeah, does and seem to be a common it, theme. We talked about it yesterday with Oprah. Yeah. With, I mean, because there were, a, well, you had, I think, a similar quote from, from Oprah. Mm-hmm. It was the same kind of quote. I, and we, t- we talked about Ralph Lauren, how, I mean, he, he did not grow up wealthy. And he was selling, he was a tie salesman. Tie salesman, right. <laughs> but he loved it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he loved it and he created his own line of ties. It was like he was passionate about that thing. You told the funny story about him being in the airport somewhere and a couple over gets in Italy, off, right? Off yeah, plane and the woman is gorgeous and whoever's with him says, "Whoo, did you see that woman? She is beautiful." And he said, "No, did you see the cut of that jacket?" <laughs> yeah, he was right. with? <laughs> uh, you know, so just passionate about whatever. J.K. Rowling, of course, uh, oh, I think yeah. her story is pretty famous. I mean, she knew. She said. I have to do this. I have to have a shot at this one arena that I feel I belong in. And it was writing. And so it's, it's the common thing. And yet when you look at what Mr. Rogers did, it doesn't feel common to me because even though it, it was very simple, it's really interesting. They talk about the sets and said it was so low tech. It was so low budget. Oh yeah. Um, his whole show, you know, he was a puppeteer before he did his own show for years on on another show, I guess. And so he had the little puppets. He developed all of their personalities. He did their voices. Um, and it was all very low tech <laughs> and low budget. And yet it was so powerful. I, I was just I, I did a little research while you're because I hadn't really researched him at all preparing for the show. I'm glad you did all the research. And you did a great job, really great job. Uh, but I found something and it struck me when I read it because it fit in perfectly with your swimming pool story. Did you know that Fred Rogers was literally colorblind? <laughs> yeah, he was. I did know that. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Talk about yeah. a double meaning. I I, I right. saw that. I said, "Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's really funny." I didn't connect that, you know, in a metaphorical way. But you're right. Uh, that's that's interesting. Well, and the other thing that that stood out to me that I thought was kind of meta for us is that um, he did he did some other things, but not too much. I mean, you know, what did I say? He did 895 episodes. Yeah. Of his, oh, geez. You know, that's a lot, right? Um, he he also composed all of the music, um, except for some small little incidental pieces. But anything that was repeated and that he did, you know, over and over, they were all, it was all his own work. But one other show that he did was, he did it for PBS and it was called Fred Rogers Heroes. And I didn't dig into this really deeply, so I don't know who the four people were, but it was a he did documentary portraits of four people whose work helped make their communities better. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> it is very similar. Yeah. 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 In fact, how interesting. Didn't you tell me that before he went to seminary, he went to music school. So he used what he learned in music school to write the music for his show. Right. Yes. He has a bachelor's degree in music composition. Yeah. So, yeah. And he wrote, he wrote all the music. Everything. I mean, this man was a, a huge talent mm-hmm. um, with with really not much of an ego that I can see. There's <laughs> not much of a huge ego attached to the huge talent. Big smile, um, though. That's one thing I really remember about him. 
it's especially noteworthy uh, given that we talked earlier about how the person you saw on television was the real Fred Rogers, and yet he smiled all the time. So it makes me wonder, did he smile all the time in his private life? <laughs> if he did, he was a very happy person. It's like, um, yeah, I think that was the real him. And, and you know, it's funny because he talked about things with kids that he felt were really important. And he talked about feelings a lot. Hmm. Yeah, that was unusual, and, too, for that time period. Right. And he talked about feeling sad. And, you know, he talked about other the all the other feelings besides just happy. Um, and he was honest about those things. And I, I think that's part of what makes him so powerful and his message so powerful is that he talked about things that people don't always want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And he did it in a very honest way. You know, one of the quotes that stood out for me was that he said part of the problem with the word disabilities is that it immediately suggests an inability to see or hear or walk or do other things that many of us take for granted. But what if people who can't feel or talk about their feelings or manage their feelings in constructive ways? What if people who aren't able to form close and strong relationships and people who cannot find fulfillment in their lives or who have lost hope who live in disappointment and bitterness and find no life, find no joy and no love. He said, these, it seems to me, are the real disabilities. Mm. And that is something that personally I do remember about him and his show is that he explained so many things that were important to me to know when I was six. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that stood out? I mean, as you look back, is there anything that stands out as like, yeah, that was a big lesson to learn or that was a big message to receive? No, I think it's just that he was talking about things I didn't hear anyone else really talk about in the way he spoke about them. Oh, okay. And, and you know, feelings and forgiveness and peace and love. I mean, they're deep topics, so we don't always talk about them with children. Mm-hmm. And You're right. By the way, speaking of forgiveness, because as you said that word, that's a word I associate with him. I, I really? Didn't, I didn't watch The Neighborhood very often. You know, I, I saw it. I was aware of it. But you mentioned it came on in 1968. In 1968, I was 11 years old. So I, I was already a little bit past the initial demographic for it. And right. So I, I just never really got into it much. And yet... Forgiveness was a theme that I really associate with him from the little snippets that I did see. Like forgiving was really, really big. And that was, oh, I don't know how to explain how unusual that was. You never saw anything about forgiveness on television at that time. You well, never, ever saw it. That's interesting to me that you say that because one of the quotes, and I only marked like three or four quotes of his, um, was about forgiveness. Mm. And he said, forgiveness is a strange thing. It can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends. It can be hardest of all to forgive people we love. Like all of life's important coping skills, the ability to forgive and the capacity to let go of resentments most likely take root very early in our lives. And I thought, oh, wow. I mean, our ability to forgive and the capacity to, to let, let go, go of resentments yeah. 
takes that capacity and ability takes root very early in our lives. That's really interesting because I don't see that it's a thing that gets discussed a whole lot very early in our lives. Not even now. No. <laughs> well, yeah, right. And and it's really, really important. It's one of the, as a matter of fact, when I'm coaching people privately around law of attraction stuff, using law of attraction and teaching law of attraction, forgiveness is one of the first things I bring up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because it holds, unforgiveness holds us in a space where we are full of resistance. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I often say with somebody I'm, I'm, uh, I guess you could say I'm coaching. I don't really think of it that way, but I'm, I'm helping somebody on a Facebook group, you know, somebody in one of the law of attraction groups and they've got some issue and they're really mad at somebody or whatever. And, uh, they, and, and there even are times where they'll say something like, I can't forgive them. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll focus on, in some ways saying, well, remember, the purpose of forgiveness is not to forgive them for their sake. It's for your sake so you can let go of it. And inevitably, I get the response, oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, right. It's like that saying that says, you know, holding unforgiveness is like, you know, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I never heard that one. <laughs> I mean, it. we, we, for, we, forgiveness is for us it frees us it it you know a lot of people don't want to forgive because they think it's like letting the other person off the hook for whatever terrible thing right, they did right and and i always say no you're letting yourself off the hook from yes. carrying this terribly heavy weight that you're carrying around it has nothing to do with them or letting them be off the hook whatever happened is in the past but it's that you don't have to carry this around anymore. Exactly. It's it's, it's an energy drain. Unforgiveness it, is an energy drain. Oh, it's a huge and, energy drain. And, and it's one of many energy drains, but it's one that probably gets the least amount of attention. I mean, if, if you look at the other negative emotions, you know, uh, fear and anger and frustration and all they, they they're the they're the sexy ones. They're the ones that get all the attention. But this one, no, unforgiveness gets almost no attention at all. Yeah, and it's it's so important. But I want to share a couple of quotes that I marked because I think sure. they're so powerful and they kind of go along with this. Um, Mr. Rogers, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the name of his show is Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Right. And his name is Fred Rogers, but I can't help but just call him Mr. Rogers, <laughs> which cracks me up because, you know, I don't call you Mr. Thiessen, right? It's right. Like, I, like Mr. Rogers. But Mr. Rogers is dear to so many of us. He said, in the external scheme of things, shining moments are as brief as the twinkling of an eye, yet such twinklings are what eternity is made of. Mm. Moments when we human beings can say, I love you. Oh, I'm nice. proud of you. I forgive you. Oh. I'm grateful for you. That's what eternity is made of. Invisible, imperishable, good stuff. <laughs> love, I like it. Love and trust in the space between what's said and what's heard in our life can make all the difference in the world. I thought those quotes were so beautiful. And then he said, there are three ways to ultimate success. So you ready? I'm ready. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. (laughs) And the third way is to be kind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was Mr. Rogers all over. He was the epitome, the embodiment of kindness. (laughs) 
And you know, something that this is not from Mr. Rogers, this is just from from me, but it's important to recognize that there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Um, Being nice is often when we turn the other way and let something happen that's not comfortable for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, being nice is when we, we laugh at a mean joke because, you know, we don't want to be mean and speak out. Mm-hmm. Being, being nice is so much when we stuff down any kind of opinion we have because it might not be heard. Um, and I don't know that Mr. Rogers was nice as much as he was kind. So when you're able to stand up for someone else, when you're able to tell someone that the thing they just said isn't funny, it was mean, um, when you can do those things that aren't so nice, right? They're not nice, they're real, and still be kind, that's that's the master stroke there. I mean, that that is like mastery. Mm. When you can stand up for someone and make a strong statement and do it with kindness, it's a real uh, skill. That's a skill. It and is. he had that skill. Yeah. You know, did. him inviting in the um, the African-American man to put his feet in the pool when the mm-hmm. whole country was in an uproar over public pools and segregation. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he he wasn't mean at all. Some people would have said that wasn't too nice. <laughs> but he certainly did. He did so much with kindness. <laughs> he didn't look the other way and pretend that those things weren't going on. That's true. He just addressed them with kindness. He did. <laughs> and it's just so powerful and wonderful. I think the the greatest strength uh, that he brought to that particular approach was that he didn't worry about what the response was of somebody who was going to react badly to it. It just it just never entered his thought process. He was well, just I going think- to be kind because kindness was was the right way to be. Right. And I think for him, he his whole focus was teaching children. Um, and in the process, I think he taught a lot of adults as well. Yeah, he really did. About about things that, you know, were important. <laughs> like when the when the uh, when the congressional testimony happened and the response from someone who was normally known as being impatient was that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> you know, uh, he definitely had an impact. He so how? Did. So I have very much enjoyed, and I, I really, from an adult perspective, you know, it's like I knew Mr. Rogers from a six, seven, eight-year-old perspective, and now I feel like I know him a little better. Um, our our wealthy, our wonderful wealthy friend, Mr. Rogers. Absolutely, and it certainly gives us a different perspective on what it is to be wealthy, and and what it is to to mean that somebody is a wealthy person, because he had the money, but he also had so much more than that. And, oh, and you said it. Wealth Boy. goes beyond the money. There's no doubt about that. Money is very important. Don't get me wrong, but it's far from everything. It's only a tiny, tiny piece. It's it's the way to get to everything else, or not the way, but it is a way to get to everything else. And he demonstrated that you don't even have to have gotten to everything else before you can act like you have all of everything else. He had the kindness. He had the love. He had the good feelings. He had all that stuff before he even got started. And look where it took him. Well, I think that, you know, what's so interesting about that is is exactly what you just said about what he had. And it's like the wealth, you know, when he was talking, the, the quote that I read a moment ago about, you know, 
that what eternity is made of. Mm, right. <laughs> it's made of the moments when we say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I forgive you. I'm grateful for you. Uh, that's what eternity is made of. That's the wealth. And yes, he was a millionaire. And this wealth so far, in my estimation, surpasses any kind of, you know, material wealth that we can talk about. And that's the powerful thing for me is that that's what stands out about his life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the eternal things. <laughs> and not surprisingly, to those of us who are followers of the law of attraction, because he was wealthy in all those other ways, he also became financially wealthy. Right. Yep. Which is a very, very, uh, very powerful person. It's a great way to put an exclamation point on the on the discussion we've had about Fred Rogers. And I'm thinking, how many different podcasts can you listen to that talk about Fred Rogers and the beautiful side of, of life that he presented to an entire generation of young people here in the United States? Not too many of them. So this is where we say to you, hey, if you're not yet a subscriber, please become a <laughs> subscriber. This is the kind of great stuff you get every single time. And it's always different. It's a different topic every day. We explore every single aspect of life because the law of attraction appears in every aspect of life. So if you are not yet a subscriber, go to the homepage of our website at LOAToday.net where all the instructions are on how to do it. If you're on an iPhone, you can just go directly to your podcast software that's built right into your uh, iOS operating system and open it up, do a little search and look for LOA Today and boom, there will be. Just subscribe and now all of a sudden you got all of our episodes coming right to your iPhone. Same thing on an Android except you have one more step. Go to the Play Store first to get your podcast software. There's lots of them out there. Just install a, a podcast playing app. And then once you have that, open that up, do a search on LOA Today and you'll find us and be able to subscribe as well and get all of the episodes coming to your smartphone. And... For those of you who are already subscribers, please take a moment to go out to your favorite social media site and post something about LOAToday.net because you're helping to spread the word. We already are seeing the results. Look at that. We we broke a record yesterday, Cindy. Yay! We broke a record. <laughs> broke I'm, a record. Sh I'm sure it's because people are sharing it. We just need more people to share it. That's all. I mean, it's still a small minority who are doing it, but more and more are doing it. So please take a moment and just go to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or you know LinkedIn or whatever you like to use. And just post something about LOAToday.net so that other people can find out about it as well. And Cindy, before we leave, give us a little idea of how they reach out to you. Because, I mean, if there's anybody who knows Mr. Rogers, it's you. And if there's anybody <laughs> who, who knows coaching, it's you. And, you know, there are probably some Mr. Rogers fans out there who say, you know, maybe I need a little help with some of my personal stuff. How do they reach out to you? <laughs> well, you can find me online at CindyChavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. And it's that same name, Cindy Chavez. You can find me on most of the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. However you find me, just give me a shout, say hello, and uh, let me know that, you, that you're listening. I'd love to connect. And thank you for joining us for this lovely day in the neighborhood. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. It is. That, well, that's the only yeah. singing you're going to get out of me. Sorry, I don't do anything more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, let's put it this way. If you do want to hear more singing, you're going to have to come next. Come back next time, okay? Maybe I'll give a little <laughs> teaser out there, right? So we hope you do join us next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.